Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Sarah Ellis, and this is the Squiggly Careers podcast, where every week we discuss a different topic to do with work and share some ideas, actions and advice that we hope will help you and us to navigate our squiggly careers with that little bit more confidence and control. And for the next few weeks, you've got a break from Helen and I, as instead we have our fourth Ask the Expert series, which I'm so excited about. We're covering a really great range of really relevant topics with just brilliant people who really know their stuff. And we're going to be talking about time, influence, storytelling, success and leadership. And we're starting the series talking about uncertainty with writer and all-round creator Sam Conniff and scientist Catherine Templer-Lewis. Sam and Catherine have been collaborating on something called the Uncertainty Experts, which started as an experiment designed to see if they could help people to increase resilience and decrease anxiety through a three-part interactive documentary. I took part in the pilot earlier this year and can tell you it's like no other learning experience that I've ever had before, and it really works. And not just for me, it's actually been very rigorously reviewed by scientists, And they've been able to show that it does really have a positive impact in terms of being able to find our way through uncertainty. And if you want to get involved in their kind of first launch series now that they've done their pilot, you can sign up now. They're doing the next three-part series in November. We'll add the link to the show notes. And if you use the code squiggly, you get a bit of an extra discount too. So it's worth having a look at that. And at the end of the podcast, there's a bit of a chance to get some extra borrowed brilliance because you're going to hear a very short clip, just a minute or so, from one of the uncertainty experts who will share a glimpse into their personal story. And these are people who've gone from being gang leaders to business leaders, refugees who've gone on to become CEOs. And you'll also hear Catherine almost interpreting their stories into insights about how our brains work when we are faced with uncertainty and how we if we approach uncertainty in the right way we can increase so many things our empathy our decision making and our problem solving so worth staying on till the end to listen to that so sam catherine thank you so much for joining us today on the squiggly careers podcast i am really looking forward to our conversation thanks Sarah, very much indeed for having us it's very nice to see you again yeah it's wonderful to be here thank you So today's episode is all about uncertainty and I don't think we need to spend much time persuading people that uncertainty is part of our careers, part of our working world and to be honest even more than that has been part of all of our lives over the past 18 months. So I think it's one of those areas that people intuitively know is important 
But equally, at the same time as I've been thinking about this this week, it is hard to know what to do with that knowledge. We know that uncertainty is almost just ever present, but then figuring out how to navigate that uncertainty and what to do about it actually actually feels really hard. So I'm looking forward to diving into that a bit more today. So maybe let's start with what prompted your interest. Sam, perhaps you want to start us off with why was uncertainty top of mind for you? And then where has that led you to this point of really starting to think about what can we do to navigate uncertainty a bit better? I would have said that I was pretty good at uncertainty. You know, a lot of my life has been about challenge and about new ideas and trying to do things differently. And, you know, why we know each other and certainly, you know, being a fan of the whole concept of squiggly careers, I advocate not taking necessarily the linear path. But I was at a place about two years ago, well, a year and a half ago, the beginning of the pandemic, where I just managed to get through this huge period of uncertainty of career change, of of huge personal change with divorce and just an awful lot. And this new career just about formed. And I was literally just kind of allowed myself to celebrate, you know, the thing you never do. And then all of a sudden it went off a cliff uh, over two weeks. Like many people, I saw my entire income for the year, all the bookings, everything disappear and this rising sense of panic come up and just on the lookout for leadership you know leadership is something that interests me anyway and I just couldn't see it neither in the daily briefings or or in many organizations and I didn't know where to turn I tried to get strength by giving strength and reached out to young entrepreneurs that I'd spent my work is very much involved around young people and offered to do mentoring sessions to their businesses and in the inspiration I drew from them a lot of my work with young people has been around kids in the justice system or refugees I came across a level of leadership and resilience and adaptiveness and suddenly I found my source of inspiration. And, and I wrote a, a medium piece about it. I was so like lifted by some of their insights from time in prison or, or elsewhere. I called it Uncertainty Experts. It, it went off, got spread around the world. And suddenly I found a new pathway and a new, a new area of exploration in leadership and uncertainty. And so, Catherine, amongst other things, you are a scientist of multiple things. Uh, sort of you have got an overwhelmingly squiggly and impressive CV at the same time. I'd love you to just talk to our listeners a little bit about how do our brains respond to uncertainty, almost like the science behind uncertainty, so we can start to understand it a bit better alongside of all of our personal experiences of knowing it just intuitively, this feels hard. Absolutely. And, and it is hard. I came to uncertainty from a sort of professional and personal view. I, I've been a transdisciplinary scientist. I've sort of been in and out of different science labs and also into the creative arts. And I'm a highly anxious person who's sort of permanently throwing myself off the cliff into the unknown. And I thought there's got to be a better way. So a lot of my research started to look at this idea of anxiety and this idea that, you know, it's rising. It was a pandemic before this current sort of COVID pandemic. And what we realise is actually anxiety is a symptom of the way that the brain reacts to uncertainty. And uncertainty is the cause. And our brains are what's called coding machines. Um, And a lot of my work now is looking at this in neuroscience. We're permanently trying to keep ourselves safe. We're not necessarily, our brains don't want us to be creative. They want us to be safe, which means they kind of often block us. And when uncertain things come up, there's a bit of a fork in the road. And some people, you know, most people, they have a sort of fear response, which can limit you and you want to sort of avoid it and shy away from uncertainty. And then some people seem to have this superhero power where they don't trigger a fear response or they know how to manage it and they stay calm. And once you do that, suddenly your brain goes, okay, there's nothing to be scared of. What can we do here? And that's this sudden space for sort of creativity and innovation. But it really does go through this process. You know, me and Sam discovered on this journey of sort of fear, fog, stasis. And it's all about your reaction. 
to uncertainty, which is inherent. And I realised you know, through my research that actually that's something we can change. And so perhaps let's talk now a bit about this uncertainty experiment that you've run, what you've learned from that and kind of what our listeners can learn and, and what they might start to be thinking about for themselves if they want to be those people that choose to opt into uncertainty in a kind of positive way, in a useful way that does unlock some of these really helpful things that we all need in work today, like creativity, you know, like the ability to have a sense, I guess, of feeling in control, which is often one of those things in squiggly careers that can feel really hard. And who wants when to you, start? you start with yeah. was when I, you know, the thing that you taught me at the beginning was some of the constructs and the ways that we measured it. And that's kind of what begins yeah. to prove how you can make a difference. And I think sort of a lot of our time, we're just reacting subconsciously to things in sort of habitual ways that, that we've learned. And learning, you know, neuroplasticity is one of my all-time favourite things in the brain. And it's wonderful, you know, at any age, for the brain to literally grow new pathways and reorganise the sort of roadways inside it to learn new modes of thinking and behaving and acting and anyone can do it. And that's where we sort of really realised how we approach up to uncertainty is different amongst everybody. And there's actually a scientific scale called our tolerance to uncertainty. And that has different dimensions, like how risk averse you are, how much you need things to be closed and not ambiguous. And you can test people for this. Um, and so actually what we start to do is like, well, if we can test people and we know that for neuroplasticity, we can actually help people relearn rather than reacting in a sort of habitual avoidant pathway in the brain, being sort of afraid of, of uncertainty, which then actually starts to hardwire that response. You know, we're very used to not liking uncertainty, taking a step back, and then we become used to doing that because it feels safe. What you actually need to do, ironically, is just start taking steps towards uncertainty and then when the brain realizes that nothing really bad happens and in fact actually sometimes really good things happen then you start to rewire your brain towards that pathway and then that becomes the habit and so we're like right how do we take all the stories which are very powerful sort of learning tools in themselves how do we look at what the neuroscience behind it is and then weave that into into the episodes into sort of an interactive immersive documentary which is also and it's become now sort of the world's largest experiment in uncertainty because we're testing people at the beginning and the end and six weeks later on their sort of need for closure and uncertainty tolerance in a scientific manner and we've done this all with researchers at UCL and it was kind of remarkable actually I don't think anyone expected it to work so well to be scientifically shown that people have shifted across this time um, and we were like my god we really have invented something amazing yeah I still don't really believe it um, <laughs> I've really learned through this I was struggling with this real sense of uncertainty I was succumbing to panic I was in the most vulnerable financial state of my adult life you know and I've gone through a few things I've started a few different businesses I've, I've kind of thought I'd seen it and the advice that I got from the individuals the first kind of prisoners then the, this woman who'd been in, inside then an incredible scientist who transitioned gender and then a guy who'd been a prisoner of war bit by bit these bits of advice just stayed with me so that point about what we learned they all had in different ways the same piece of advice which is how do you increase what I didn't know then was called your tolerance to uncertainty. But on a daily basis, how do you get comfortable with the uncomfortable? What are the exercises that you can do? And how do you, you can describe the brain as a muscle. How do you strengthen that muscle and its ability not to run away in fright, not to try to protect you with avoidance techniques, but to lean into it. And this was this lovely kind of dance that began to happen. I had this next incredible story about can this be true? And then Catherine can come back and say, well, here's a, a Yale report from 2019, which proves that in states of uncertainty, if you can hold on to that state of uncertainty, this I mean, is something that anybody can practice doing. When you feel that flush, 
when you feel there's conflict in that meeting and you want to shut it down, you'll say whatever, stop. If you can stay in that space a little longer, the pathways in your brain light up and it's a state of heightened arousal. The Yale report shows this is one of the best states of mind that you can be for information gathering, for learning. But we wouldn't want to stay in that state normally. You want to move away from it. But if you can, you can begin to practice it. You realize suddenly how much information you can absorb when high arousal no longer feels like panic, but just high arousal. So these patterns began to really overlap with each other. And that's when we felt we had something that we had to try and test out with a live audience. And so perhaps, um, Sam, this would be a really good point, just to briefly explain to listeners what this uncertainty experiment is that you've run so far and what your plans are for it next, because we've alluded to it and I think we've brought it to life actually through our conversation so far. But I just want to make sure that everybody listening is really clear about what was that almost scientific experiment that you have done and what you learn and then where you might take it. Uncertainty experts is a three-part interactive and immersive documentary. We've piloted it and we're going to run it again in November at a much larger scale, like the world's largest experiment in uncertainty. You look at it from an outside point of view and it should hopefully look and feel as much like a Netflix documentary as anything else. And each episode tackles these three big areas, fear, then fog, and then stasis. And each episode, you'll meet three uncertainty experts um, who will describe their really clear coping strategies for turning fear into action and fog into creativity and how to move beyond stasis. And as you meet each of the uncertainty experts, provocations and prompts for reflection are sent to your phone because in my experience, all of these kind of sessions and, and workshop learning that we're doing at home, it's really hard to get that same thoughtfulness that we might have had when we met in person. And as you respond to those, your information goes into a back-end system that we've designed with some of the lead researchers at UCL. And that connects to a scientific survey that you do at the beginning of the show and at the end of the three episodes. And together, that builds your uncertainty profile. So you will get a score to your uncertainty tolerance at the beginning and the end. There are subset measures in there for decisiveness, open-mindedness, discomfort with ambiguity, and, and many other things that then relate to the leadership skills of the 21st century, from interception to empathy. So you get a profile at the end with recommendations, guidance, and advice as to what you can do. And then between each one of the episodes, Catherine stars in a kind of mini-series of explainer content where she breaks down some of the concepts that we've seen in the show and a series of links and, and other opportunities for reflection. It's part documentary, it is part science experiment, it's part immersive workshop and learning experience. And what we saw surprised everyone. The guys at UCL put three really robust scientific evaluations in place, one around emotions, one around attitudes, and one around risk-taking in real life. And we got a statistically significant increase in all three, which makes it one of the most successful psychological interventions that they've run, they said. And then we ran the measure again at six weeks, and not only had the increases held, but they'd increased. So there's a, apparently a long-term benefit across all of these measures. And this kind of simple output is how do you as an individual, and that ladders up to you as a team, get better at turning all this uncertainty we face into opportunity. And with the work that you've both done so far, so almost coming really at uncertainty from very different starting points and, and perspectives and understanding, what have you found out so far that has surprised you the most? For me, a huge part of this is the dual intelligence that a human being has for decision-making. I did not know this at all, what Catherine told me this, that I'll leave you to describe interception because it's the, kind of, it's the word I think you're giving the world. But this idea of that 
this is thought called embodied cognition, and it's thought to be the most radical concept in cognitive science. And it is fundamentally that you've got two decision-making frameworks. One is kind of what we shorthand call your gut, but there is as many receptors in your stomach connected to the rest of your body. In fact, more than your brain is ever going to have access to. And they make decisions all the time. They make decisions for you about where you should go, where you should stop, what you can reach, who you can trust. You know, all of this is going on. And our ability to make decisions in a dual sense is the one place that human beings are still completely outcompete any kind of technology. You know, AI can outthink us, can outplay us at chess, can outpredict any kind of model if you just put human intelligence against computer intelligence. But if you put humans' dual intelligence, your emotional and cognitive intelligence working together at once in this notion of embodied cognition, there's no technology that can touch how sophisticated we are. I have no idea. And I'm the person that walks around not really aware of what their body's doing to try and get my brain to the next location. And what I've learned about being slightly more in touch with these two processes, my decision-making, my confidence in decision-making, particularly in really uncertain moments when rational and available information has disappeared, to really feel better judgment coming because I can sense how I'm going to feel about it as well as how I think about it is transformational. Yeah, and I think it was a science point of view and also a human point of view. What was really surprising starting this project, you know, I came in with a sort of geeky angle wanting to test things out in the real life, was how many people sort of put their hand up and they were like, I get really anxious and uncertainty. You know, it was this sort of, everyone sort of really admitted. I think we've just assumed that that's just how the world is. Uncertainty is scary. And then you reframe it. It's like uncertainty is not scary. It's how we react. And then you hit this barrier where you go, you know, I can't just buck up, can I? <laughs> this is real reactions I'm having in my body. And that's where the science really helped me. And, and I love watching it help other people in that it's okay, everyone. We don't just need to be told to buck up. What we can actually do is learn the ways to master our mind and take control. And it's just, you know, our brain's just trying to keep us safe and it's just gone down the wrong pathway. We can just bring it back. And not only that, but then we can absolutely unleash this superpower. And I've always loved humans. I think we're incredible the things we can do. And I think this is the point in time where we, we need to do incredible things more than ever. And we have totally got this. And it starts on that individual level. And I think, you know, Sam also mentioned interoception, which is the word that I can't spell, I can scarcely say, but I, I've been studying it, doing a lot of research projects around it. And interoception, by the end of the year, it'll be everywhere. It's basically your gut feeling, which we've always sort of split the mind and, and the body and, and told ourselves that, you, you know, you can't be rational and emotional. But actually, if you knock out the emotional part of someone's brain, they can't even decide what to have breakfast. And we don't listen to our body. And actually, what science is showing us that we have all these signals to butterflies in our stomach, to racing hearts that we've sort of separated from decision making. And actually, they're really good informers of, of how we're reacting to things and a really good starting point to help regulate your emotional reactions. And everyone can learn, it's called interoceptive accuracy and awareness, and people can learn to improve and improve it. And then not only do you have your mind, but you have a whole body helping you make the right decisions. If somebody is listening now and they are experiencing a lot of uncertainty in where they work that feels very out of their control. So I think there's the you as an individual, what you can do and, and you're developing lots of these skills and exercises that will help people, which is brilliant. And that's all about kind of taking ownership and control. If you are sitting in an organisation where everything is changing and there's restructures all over the place and you're not quite sure what it's going to look like, maybe you're not sure if your job's going to exist in the same way. Do the things that you have found through the first Uncertainty Expert series and the Uncertainty Bigger experiment that you're finding, do these things help you in that context? Or is it much more about kind of you as an individual, how you respond to the uncertainty that's kind of immediately around you? Does that distinction make sense? And does that feel unfair? <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I can go with, at the end of the third episode of the pilot series, the audience refused to let go and they insisted on some kind of community. So at the end of that episode, we formed a WhatsApp group and it capped out immediately, it's 250. So I've had the benefit of watching a group explore all of this stuff. There are dozens, literally dozens of examples of people changing their careers as a result, people starting businesses. And very often the stories we've heard have been about standing up to someone at work, which could feel relatively small, but for the individual that's going through it, we all know how huge that is. To a career change that one was unable to do, to leave an environment or change something in a culture, to, to just, you know, have the difficult conversation with colleagues. So the application of this stuff, the practical application of this stuff has been phenomenal which makes me very happy because the last thing I want to do is just do something that's momentarily inspirational I really you know this is a moment in which we know further uncertainty is certain and we know that the world is going to rely on us responding it to it better there's lots of studies that say low tolerance for uncertainty leads to less cohesion and even like a higher susceptibility for populist politics and conspiracy theories when we all have a higher tolerance for uncertainty we're able to get along with one another better you're able to sit with ideas that are uncomfortable to you work with people who are different to you so the application in organizations and really in society at a moment that we really need this collaborative approach and to be able to move beyond being pushed into binaries so we can exist in nuance try and work out better solutions than the one we've got is essential so I think it's exactly the right question because that's where my now longer term ambitions for what it can do for people and for organizations and society are really coming from. And I think I just completely agree with that from the science. And I think it's very tempting in times of big uncertainty, especially around work and things that happen right now, to try and make things certain and try and control the environment around you. And that's never going to work because uncertainty is just inherent around us. But what you can do is actually master your fear response, put yourself in a position where you're not reacting, but being able to make proactive steps towards you know and that's the control you have the control of you and where your next step is and that actually can be incredibly empowering and what we saw was as well over the course of the series was that people's um self-efficacy how much they believed in themselves went up as well and that's incredibly important to you know how you go forward in the world and the last thing which was wonderful is that people who are more tolerant of uncertainty are better collaborators they're better collaborators because they're more open to new ideas and different ideas and they're better able to deal with those sort of when shifts in ideas and perspectives come along. And so the other wonderful thing about it is that within a work environment, you suddenly become better teammates as well. Mm-hmm. And that again ladders up to whether it's, you know, a teammate with the person you're in a relationship with at home through to, you know, the way we need to band together as, as society to sort of face some of the challenges. So I think it's really applicable at every level, really. One of the bits of advice that stays with me here is from Dr. Ming, who's one of the uncertainty experts who went through huge uncertainty from you know, near suicidal depression to gender transition. She now works in the talent and workspace an awful lot and has done research involving millions of data sets. And one of the ways she's proven again and again that you can increase your tolerance to uncertainty in a work environment is something called counterintuitive role modeling. And, and what that fundamentally means is, is when we feel unsafe, we are drawn towards people who we recognize. I'm not enjoying myself at work at the moment. This is really difficult. And, and you see even small kids, you know, they will all hang out in little clusters that look and sound like them. So we do it the same way ourselves. But if you can find someone, and this is her term, Dr. Ming's term, who violates your stereotypes, who really violates your stereotypes, makes you feel uncomfortable, you know you disagree with, and you spend time with them consistently, you will rewire 
how you view the world. You know, have lunch with them every day, you know, have a coffee, check in, and you will begin to see everything differently. And it's how we work as human beings, it's osmosis, it's the social patterns that we form. So by this, you know, and normally when we look for role models, we look for people for whom we want to be, not for people for whom we feel uncomfortable with, but by spending time with those people. That's one of the most fundamental ways that human beings learn without sitting down with paper and pad, but from another person. And she thinks it, take, it can take up to two years, but over time, it fundamentally rewires your outlook. And so I'll ask you in a second how people can get involved in the uncertainty experiment if they'd like to, having listened to today. But before that, I wondered if there was one thing that you would recommend listeners read, watch or listen to to learn more about uncertainty, if you've piqued people's interest and they're like, oh, I want to dive into this a bit deeper, where would you point people to? And we'll make sure that we include it in today's show notes. I mean, I think from my point, I've got sort of reams and <laughs> dull, dry academic papers <laughs> that I've been calculated if you want to really, you know, bedtime read this. But actually, that was one of the interesting things of this, of, of this project. You know, I certainly had been have been studying from different disciplines those disciplines didn't talk and a lot of my work is about getting different people to talk to each other um, and so we've collated a lot of the information translated it in various ways from the excerpts I've done from the medium blogs that are really good that, that Sam has done to just sort of finding some accessible papers and articles and a lot of this is, is on the website throughout the series that we sort of we want to make it really accessible to people and more engaging than the most original papers. <laughs> one, one of the ways we did, when we when we were doing the initial research we were still in full lockdown and so Catherine would send me these papers I'd try and make sense of them and I'd send her a note and then she'd send me these hilarious voice notes when she's between a meeting like swearing about just making me laugh but what we ended up doing was using these voice notes as some of the interim content between the episodes because it helped me really get my head around it so if it helps I'll share some of those with you for people who are interested in like interception or some of the other concepts because she really has a gift for, for communicating them. Yeah that would be great so perhaps maybe you could pick two or three of the key ideas that we have talked about today and we could all benefit from some of those those voice notes so yeah maybe whether it's like the negativity bias or a couple of those other areas I think that that would be great and so if people listening do want to get involved in the uncertainty experiment how can they where should they go they can go to uncertainty if they just google uncertainty experts it's the only thing of its kind like out there you'll find your way to it pretty quickly the site is live the series one is going to be in November you can buy tickets now. If you've had a really tough time, there's some you know super discounts to buy for like a 10% of the price because I've got a lot of empathy for people who've had a year like me. We put on a squiggly code on there as well. So if you put squiggly in, you'll get 30% off whatever ticket price is on there because we're big fans of, of all the squiggles. And uh, that's it, really. Just come and sign up. Once you're signed up, you'll start receiving various bits of content we've described, like the voice notes from Catherine, some of the research we've done, some of the articles, so that by the time that the series comes, you'll then undertake the full scientific surveys um, and then you'll be able to watch all three episodes and all the content that sits between them. And we finish all of our guest episodes by asking the same question. What is your one piece of career advice that you would share with our listeners? It can be your own advice. It can be advice you've heard from other people that you found really useful. But just some final words of wisdom from you both. From what I've learned this year, I think it's about sort of, I realise that myself as well, I, I'm not as... I'm not as kind to myself as I should be about how hard forging careers are, especially in an uncertain world, especially when you know, you're trying to do something a bit different. And actually to acknowledge that it's hard and, and congratulate yourself for it. And actually it's funny because one of my favourite uncertainty experts says something which I've come back to again and again and again. Morgan Godwin, an amazing woman, she says, the right thing to do is almost always the hardest thing to do. 
And I see that as a sort of, not as, as anything to, sort of, to be anxious about, but actually, yes, it is. And like, congratulate yourself for, for even, you know, taking those steps because it is hard. And we need to also acknowledge that ourselves, that we're pretty amazing people. I feel very grateful for this project and experiment. It really has been the advice and insights that, you know, I've so enjoyed doing the interviews they've saved me. But, but the thing that's really stuck me at the moment is an insight that came from the audience. So 500 people went through the pilot. When asked what their greatest fear was, over 80% of people said fear of failure. And then in, a, in the third episode, people asked, what's the one thing in life that you least want to regret? And again, similarly high, like 87% was missed opportunity. And that just stopped me in my tracks because the one thing that's going to lead you, to, and if you're considering careers, squiggly careers or making moves, the one thing that's going to make you miss an opportunity is fear of failure. Within that last question, you know, what, what do you not want to look back and regret? Next to nobody said failure. So we present it as this fear that's going to stop us. Yet if we allow it, it's going to lead to the biggest regret of our lives. And when we're going to look back, failure was never going to be the thing that should have stopped us. In taking the big risks that I've taken to try and bring this project to life, that fact, that stat that's come from so many human beings has really, really helped me. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found it useful. And next week, you can hear my conversation with Oliver Berkman, where together we'll be discussing time and how to use it. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we're going to finish today's episode with a very short clip from one of the uncertainty experts. So you can really get a feel for the work that Sam and Catherine are doing. A great example to borrow some brilliance from people that you might not get the opportunity normally to learn from. So I'd really recommend investing two more minutes of your time to hear what they've got to say. Here we go. Hello, I'm Catherine Templer-Lewis and I'm the lead scientist on The Uncertainty Experts. Carl Loco was once heralded as London's number one gang leader. But like all uncertainty experts, the strategies they once learned in the shadows, they now use as leading lights. Carl is now a community leader, a consultant, brushing shoulders with the Markles, the Bransons, and here's his take on the positive impact of uncertainty. You know, so for me, uncertainty is the only place where you become more pliable and things are more pliable. You know, when you're certain, you kind of know the formation, you know the pattern. Uncertainty, yes, is uncomfortable, 
but that discomfort is generating within you um, a heightened awareness, allowing you to see what you couldn't previously see, acknowledge what you wouldn't previously acknowledge, and that means that you can create what you couldn't previously create, because now you know more, so you can do more, you see more, so you can be more. Now, what Carl's describing is known as neuroplasticity. And Carl's right, it will enable you to do, to see, to be more. Neuroplasticity is amazing. It's the ability of the brain to form new pathways and cells to reorganise its connections, especially in response to learning or new experiences. In short, it's the ability for your brain to rewire itself. Now, we used to think this was only possible when we were children, but it's not. It can happen to us all our lives. And that means we can learn new skills. We can learn new habits, new ways to think about the world and behave. It just takes some practice and repetition. Because the problem is we get stuck in a mindset where we try to avoid uncertainty. And that becomes our habitual reaction, be it denial, over control, avoidance. So you have to have the will to embrace uncertainty, to step towards it. And when you do, and the more you do, the easier it becomes. Because these new pathways will become hardwired and you adopt this mindset of growth. And what emerged from the audience data in response to uncertainty experts showed changes not just in skill sets, but mindsets we saw actual neuroplasticity. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 